You're listening to Good Lad Unscripted with your host. <laughs> Welcome back to Good Light Unscripted, the podcast. Anna is, uh, is she's quarantining herself within quarantine. <laughs> she must have needed a break. She gave herself a timeout. She said, I just need to get, she says, I have no patience. I'm frustrated with everything and everyone. She said, and I'm just, I just need to get my head in the right place. So I understand how she's feeling because I've been, for sometimes it's seemingly no apparent reason. You're just all of a sudden really frustrated, overwhelmed with the sounds and everything. But we've been in the house with seven people and two dogs it's it's just sometimes overwhelming and i know that you know it can be a little edgy when you've got three screaming kids that really don't think there's a problem they don't even know anything's changed they ain't I think making what it no is money with her is that she's she's ultimately responsible for the kids yeah. i mean everybody helps out but she's on kid duty all the time well, if she didn't lock herself in her room, I was going to put her in a timeout. So it's a good thing she did it on her own. It's, oh, it's funny because I'm sitting here working away. It's it's my days off from my 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 all night security job, and so my day off day, I'm actually working on the new business <laughs> that I'm setting up. So I'm just buried in my computer. You call and, that a day off? And I get up, and Anna's in her room. You're in the garage, <laughs> and Crystal's in the other room, and you guys have all kind of taken your distance. And the kids are all down for a nap, and I right. realize I'm sitting there, and the dogs weren't even hanging out with me at that point. So. <laughs> I don't know, was it me or, you know. But. You know, it's, and it's kind of a strange time because, you know, we can, we can get together as a family and talk, you know, and have, have Bible studies and talk about things in life and, and feel really good. But then the very next minute, we can be completely overwhelmed. And I think that the underlying force of this lockdown and the fact that, you know, we're not able to really do the work that we were doing and make mm -hmm. the money we were making, it's a little concerning, right? So, I think that that underlying factor can just at times surface and make you feel a little edgier. And, and of course, if, if you've got... I don't think at a time like this, you need an excuse. I think it just, it, this is just completely different, right? Yeah, And, and it's just different. like, there's four adults in here, three kids, three toddlers and two dogs. <laughs> And uh, it's just Enough gonna said. Get, I don't even think yeah. we have to continue with this program. No, okay. Well, thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, Elaine is joining me today. Oh, Elaine hi, this is, is Elaine Goodlad for this podcast. Today. <laughs> uh, what I wanted to talk to you about is you're coming up on your 56th birthday. I'm coming up next <sighs> uh, in June for my 61st birthday. And uh, and we've Just all remember, had Terry, you'll always be five years ahead of me. <laughs> <laughs> I've got that blazing on the trail, right? <laughs> I've got that on you. Uh, but I look at it and I think, you know, there's so much time and I, I do spend those nights. Like I, I do a lot of work while I'm at work. <clears throat> That's um, your MO. Right. I just, I, I like to be busy. But, you know, when you get that like around four o'clock, 4.30, it's just like, oh God. <laughs> You know, help me through this so tired, right? Because yeah. I'm only sleeping a couple hours during the day because the kids and I don't want to miss time with them and like that. So, but when I get there and I start, I start thinking, okay, this is like really a time. If ever there was an opportunity to just reset and do everything different, this is the perfect time for that. And and in a lot of ways, there's things that I'm looking at and going, okay, I I don't like how I did this. I don't like how I did that. I could do this better. You know, I don't even really want to do that anymore. I want to do this over here instead. And I'm doing a lot of that. You know, unless you in in real life, unless you go off on a retreat somewhere where you don't, you, get, this you don't get this opportunity, this is golden. And I think what I have found for myself is, you know. The, like you said, it's a reset, but when you start reflecting on what life has been for you all right. the way along, let's go back, 
just several years, let's go back 30 years, whatever, however far you want to go back, you have an opportunity to look and see what you've done, how you might've done it differently. And I'll tell you what, there's certain things that I really appreciate about the way things were. Mm -hmm. And I would like to bring them back and continue on today because I mean, my, my, this is sage advice from an OG, (laughs) an old good lad, (laughs) two old good lads. Oh my gosh. Two OGs. Um, But you think about you, you make a good point because you know, you get into this, your early years, shape you it shapes your values and you completely take them for granted as they, they're happening though they that's can, my they point they can limit you yeah you take yeah. yeah you take it for granted because you don't know anything else and and, and they really really shape your life and then mm-hmm. so you dive into life and then it's you know it's some successes but lots of train wrecks and and so you recover from the train wrecks and you got to limp after that and so you limp to the next thing and you know all this stuff sort of carries with you and then you reach this point and and you and I are at that stage of life where you know, we're getting to the final chapters now, you know, 80, 80 is not so far oh, away. Lord. Right. And so you look at that and you go like, okay, You're, you what, start what to reflect do I, pretty long and hard yeah, at that point. Why did I do this? Why did I do that? And you know, where do I really want to be? And, and what am I, what did I think I wasn't happy with, but really, really, I want to go back to this, this show could literally encompass so many different things because when I look back and reflect on just just my level of insecurity about myself in so many aspects of my life, my insecurity sometimes ruled to the point where I couldn't see straight. So I couldn't, I couldn't even see straight enough at times to be the best that I could be because the best you can be all lies on how you feel about you. Right. Now, when I look back, I go, gosh, I could have done that better. Oh my gosh. I could have, I could have worked that harder. I could have like, you know, whether it was my fitness career when I look back, having been this, you know, person who had a lot of inner issues that I hadn't dealt with yet, um, you know, looked to food for comfort, all these things that it ended up being. Mm-hmm. And I realized I was never the best athlete that I could be. I look back at pictures and yes, for that time, it was okay. I mean, I was one of the top no, in, the, the, in thing, the nation. The reality is, is that you, <laughs> before you I guess ever, I succeeded in spite before you of ever myself. stepped in on a, an IFBB stage, and I'm not trying to take anything away from you here. Just understand, you, you and I used to train hard together back in the days when I used to power lift. Hard and, is putting it mildly. Yeah, you never ever ever trained that hard <laughs> when you were an IFBB pro. Unless you're Ronnie Coleman, I don't know if you know what. Really no, it was pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, your biggest, your biggest run to the leg- bathroom, puke, come back and finish, or just puke in your mouth, eat it, and keep on. And squatting. that was Elaine. <laughs> <laughs> that was Terry. Oh my god! But that's just the way we did things, you know. Head slaps and banging our head on the bar, nosebleeds. And- I used to head bang, head butt you, yeah. or head slap you yeah. to get ready for a big squat because you were squatting over seven hundred pounds. Yeah, yeah, and. You know, you got to be in a crazy space to do that. You got to be half animal, and so I mean, it felt good for me because I really did like. I remember the day. I remember the day we were driving in my truck, and my training partner was not going to be at the gym, and so I, I was said, "Okay, you're gonna. I'm doing legs today." I, you got to make sure you can do the head slap right. Did you forget I was a farm girl at oh that my moment? God. So we're sitting at the light. And I remember we're sitting at the light and you did a practice head slap. So she slapped me across the head while we're driving. And also I'm like, I'm seeing stars, right? <laughs> and <laughs> so, I was so okay, proud. okay, we're going to be all right. I think that's good. <laughs> <laughs> that one will work. But I think of that. And then I think of that when you were, you know, one of the top athletes in the world. 
in the IFBB, competing at the Arnold and at the Olympia every year, and you never trained anywhere near as hard as you did back when we used to train like that. Well, the fact <clears throat> of the matter is, you with, had injuries. With figure that came on the scene when yeah. figure came about. Um, I had a lot of muscle based on our training that I had to get rid of. Right. So my training never was going to be that kind of, it, I but tried I remember, to keep the intensity, but change the way that I trained. In remember you were really badly injured. You had knees and shoulders and everything. And I tore and a hamstring. You prepared for the Arnold classic in the swimming pool, in the swimming pool, <laughs> <laughs> working out in the I swimming pool. I try to pool. tell people that they're like, and they, look they look at, you at like me like, what? And you looked amazing. It was probably the best year. Yeah. Liked. It gave me such a, a more athletic look to my body. And like you said, if I had the kind of muscle that I just had to fine tune and bring down a little bit, yep. I didn't have to do a lot of really heavy living. I, I remember you used to put me through hefe these living, heavy living, <laughs> these boot camps yeah. that would be back to back exercises without stopping, mm -hmm. and very little resistance training involved. It was more like a crazy cardio session with the um, mountain climbers and pop squats Just and everything. walking lunges and on and on and on and ladders and jump rope, whatever. And it was exhausting, but that's what prepared my body to not. Be, I mean, if I was to do that today, mm -hmm. I'd have to go back to my heavy lifting because you right. see the girls in figure today, oh, it's evolved into something completely different. Yeah. But that's yeah. a whole other story. Yeah, it's another now, whole outside story. of the sport, outside of that. And I know you look back and you go, okay, I would do this different. I, I, Man, I honestly, I would some things. Yeah. What, what would you do differently prior to that? Like I, I think of you growing up in Wadena, Saskatchewan, it's a town of 1500 people. Mm -hmm. um, you know, your dad and mom had a farm. You guys lived in town, very, very strict Baptist upbringing, mm -hmm. right? What would you do different when you came away from that? Of course, the court got unpopped and, you know, you, you, how would you describe it? Well, just finding out, you know, I, I don't want to do anything that's going to get that head slap again. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, let you, I'll let you do the talking. I don't know. I think, I think that when I, if I... Now, is this knowing what we know now and yeah, going back? Yeah, that's the idea okay, of going back. Yeah, we're thing. reflecting right now, right? So I think I would go back and I would, you know, I would I would look at, I would take a step back from that upbringing, look mm -hmm. at it and think to myself, okay, these are people who are doing the best they can at raising three kids, see me being one of are. them. I would see them mm -hmm. for who they are and all their limitations mm -hmm. and all their faults and go, you know what? I still need to see that little Elaine as a really special child. Mm -hmm. And so I think I would take her and I would go, okay, so what can she do to gain that confidence that she didn't necessarily gain through her upbringing? Right. And I would empower her early on mm -hmm. because if she was empowered early on, she wouldn't been, she wouldn't have spent so much time trying to get acceptance from others and she wouldn't care so much what other people thought. Mm -hmm. She would just go, okay, I know who I am. I've got these strengths. What am I going to do with these strengths? And I mean, I'm sure we can all say that if we went back and looked at our life. Well, I want to interject something there because because not even when you were a kid, but even, I mean, I met you when you were in your early 20s, like 21, mm -hmm. 22, right? Mm -hmm. and, and I remember your friends and, and there was one that I'm thinking of in particular. Mm -hmm. I know who you're thinking but of. But you're a very attractive girl, like a 10 out of 10. Great body, everything that you just fell out of the womb like that, right? Uh, also just <laughs> okay. an athlete. Well, you were, okay? I mean, you used to get picked on in school because you had Mick Jagger lips. You I had, had big, big lips. And I was, yeah. Yeah, and that's something to feel bad about, right? Now everybody spends thousands of dollars, you know, getting them you puffed up to I look like yours. You realize I tried to paint my lips on smaller I so that people that. would accept me. I Isn't that, that kind of bizarre? But the thing is, is that even after school, like you got, you know, criticized at school by other kids, teased and stuff like that, so you feel self-conscious. Then when you got older, there's one chick that you 
hung out with that so badly wanted to be you, but nothing came out of her mouth that was uplifting or built you up. It was always no, she, to knock you she down. She kept me down constantly right and you hung out with her Mm -hmm. right and so what would you tell and that that's the thing that's a that's the thing i think a lot of people don't understand about attractive women is that they assume that the world just you know is is at their feet but it it doesn't always it doesn't feel that way because as a as a little girl more people you don't you don't look at yourself that way unless you're told every day how beautiful and wonderful you are you don't you don't look at yourself that way. And so the problem is, is you attract people that see the the kindness in you and then they mistake kindness for weakness. And at the time, maybe you are weak. Mm-hmm. And so you literally let them run your life and you let them hold you down because of their own insecurities. But what I would do today is just uh, embrace who I was. And, and I, I was so afraid of making somebody else feel bad about themselves that I would literally dress down if it made another girl feel uncomfortable. So the important thing is just to find, if you're a woman, find women in your life mm-hmm. that really do love themselves because all of those people out there that, that don't have those uh, insecurities th- that they want to tear somebody else down in order to make themselves feel better, you, you will find women like I would, I would pick the women I have in my life today, right? Because today I'm surrounded by, and I think I have more than most because a lot of people don't say that they have that many good friends and good people in their life. I have the friends in my life that I wouldn't trade for the world because mm-hmm. every one of them is a cheerleader of mine mm-hmm. and I'm a cheerleader of the, theirs. They wouldn't take anything away from me if their life depended on right. it. And that's what, that's how we uplift each other. And that's why I don't feel bad about being me. I remember, I remember within the last, I'll just say the last decade, and I am obviously not going to mention any names, but I had a friend who, you know, we were all getting ready to a birthday, go to a birthday party. We were living in Las Vegas here. Yep. Everybody's dressing up to go to a birthday party. Well, she didn't feel that she fit in to our group, like the way she felt she looked. And that caught me so off guard. I was literally stunned for a second. I'm like, wait, what? Why does that matter? (laughs) Because if she thinks that I'm judging others for how they look, it wasn't a reflection of what, it was actually a projection. But it was an accusation that she's going to be It was an accusation, but it was her own projection. She was the one doing the judging. She was the one doing the judging. So first of all, I chose a fitness lifestyle in my early 20s. What do you think I'm going to look like when I'm close to 50? Don't, and it, well, actually it was, it was my 50th birthday party. Remember, yeah. So don't judge me because I chose to live a fit lifestyle. Mm-hmm. If you live a fit lifestyle, obviously you're going to look a certain way, but don't judge me on that because that's not who I am. It's mm-hmm. what I do, but I'm way much more than that. I'm a lot of different things and I'm a very loving, compassionate, kind, helpful, giving person. So if you have a problem with how you look, you go take care of that. Right. Don't ever put that on me because I'm here to encourage you. And I don't care. Is that I person don't care still your you, friend? Actually, yes. But after a bit of schooling, let's just say. You took her to school? Yeah, took her to school. Put her in the front seat of the bus? <laughs> I gave her a head slap and that was it. She was seeing stars. <laughs> she was squatting like right, crazy after squ- that. <laughs> she didn't even know what happened. She didn't even know how didn't to know squat. know hit her. But no, it's just, I would really... I would really embrace myself a lot sooner. And this is the funny thing about life is you don't often have the opportunity to be who you really needed to be Mm -hmm. until it's almost too late. So luckily from 50 on, I really did start to catch on. I wish it was sooner, but it Mm -hmm. wasn't. 
I, um, in my mid forties, I went to that, you know, the brain training stuff with the neural feedback and that helped a lot because it helped me feel entitled Mm -hmm. to any, as much of a good life as anybody else could have or want. But what I would do differently, looking back even now, I would have, um, I would, I would, I would capitalize on this product that is me yeah. because I was in the fitness industry and I was in the magazines. Mm-hmm. I was doing all that. So I would capitalize on that product and whatever I was lacking in knowledge and expertise of how to get there, mm-hmm. the social media aspect, the technical aspect, all that stuff, I would just put the right people in place and say, okay, I need you for this and I need mm-hmm. you for this. Mm-hmm. We're going to build this brand and that's going to be me. But I really didn't have, I just feel like, now I would do that, yeah. and I didn't do that then. And um, what I what I lacked, I just I was like, oh, okay, I give up. Like it's almost mm-hmm. like I just gave up, mm-hmm. and I thought, oh, it's never going to happen for me now. Well, what I what I noticed was, you know, I would try to push you to do more, and you were always resisting. And I just didn't have that, that. But it's that insecurity in my brain, not, either. yeah. But it's that insecurity, you know, always thinking, not always really worrying. knowing who you right. are, right? Because when you were in the fitness industry, is popular as you were, as many times as you were published, as many covers as you had, as many big contests you went to, and as many fans you had around the globe, there were still a strong little army of people trying to knock you down. I mean, how many people criticized you because of your age? Oh, a lot of people criticize Yeah, I mean, you're up there, you're in the magazines. I mean, you're still modeling at 55 and, well, the, and knocking out amazing pictures. The about age is I never felt the age that I was. So mm-hmm. every step along that road... I felt 10 years younger than what I actually was. Yeah. And that's what everybody thought I was. So if I was turning 39, they thought I was turning 29, which right. was fine by me. But that's that's who I, I really actually fooled myself. I thought I was 29 when I was 39. Every year so we celebrated every the year I fifth, celebrated, fifth, sixth, yeah. seventh anniversary of your 29th exactly. birthday. Exactly. I stuck at 29 and I celebrated <laughs> the anniversaries of my 29th birthday. Well, now I'm obviously beyond that. But um, yeah, I just would really embrace, I would embrace myself more. I would... I would learn the things that I didn't know and anything that I couldn't grasp because there's mm-hmm. a lot of things about business I don't grasp. Yep. There's a lot of things about my own business now that I'm doing just fine. And I think that happened after neurofeedback. I think my brain opened up into a lot more. Well, it's just the willingness to try it and, and then you find it's willing. not so hard. That's right. You know, self-esteem though, it, it, I look at my own life now that you mentioned this and, and I remember in school, uh, you know, I had a bit of a troubled upbringing and yes, you did. <clears throat> spent, uh, when I got into high school, I spent a great deal of it either drunk or stoned. I mean, the first semester of grade 10, I was drunk or stoned every day. And and I was selling drugs at the school. And that, that's kind of what I did. That was the path I was going. And uh, basically missed the whole semester. Uh, failed three subjects. The one I passed was music because the music teacher liked me. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and I got 50 to 50% there. But, but they were going to send me to a special school for kids that just didn't have the brain power, right? And so I really believed that I was stupid. I just did, I I, th- I just thought I didn't have the brains until when I got on the police department. Then I got selected for SWAT, and you 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 do some pretty extensive testing just to get on the department. Then to get on SWAT, it's a whole nother level. Well, one of those things it was after a night shift, and I think I'd been up for over thirty hours at that point, and I had to go for an IQ test, and it just so happened that I scored. One of the highest. Well, very, very, very high on the IQ test. A couple ticks off genius. And were you were you shocked 
I was totally shocked. I thought he made a mistake. So you didn't know who you were. No, but the thing is, is that what happened is once I realized that from that day forward, once it sunk in, I've been fearless. I, I, I don't, I'll try anything. I'll do anything. Well, I've been there alongside right. of you for a lot of that fearlessness. But before it, that, I, I was always like, oh, I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that. And that was the thing that I was always trying to teach you back in the day. But until you internalize that. Yeah. You can, and so you I look at our kids somebody. now and whatever, the three different kids, and they've each got their own limitations. But what I do is I focus on the positive. Mm-hmm. And, and something that I, that I read, uh, and it was a study, and what it was is if you tell a kid that they're really, really, uh, that they really are good at something, they will fail more often than if you tell them that they work really hard. Oh, I didn't realize that. I know there's a lot of studies out yeah. there that show that whatever you, you know. It's just pressure. Yeah. Because you're supposed to automatically get stuff. And that was the thing like with you, you know, when you went to school, you were afraid to go to school because you didn't know how to tell time. Well, you're going to school to learn how to tell time, but you were freaked out about that. I was freaked out about learning a lot of things because I right. felt like I was supposed to already know. And them. I look at Quamaine now and he gets afraid of things, but the more I build him up, you know, the less afraid to try things or if I'm just there with him, you know, and, uh, and Anna's taught me so much about how to work with each child and, and their issues and stuff like that. But if there's anything I would change for my kids as a parent, looking back now, is I think the single most limiting factor was my, I mean, I still get anxiety about learning anything now. I still think that I can't pass a test old habits huh? yeah and i mean i'm 60 years old now right i mean i'm a scuba diver and i remember writing my test for my basic scuba diving i think oh gosh what if i fail you know what if i and get I always stressed had that out what if i, and I think i, I got 100 on the I test fail part where does that come from that must come from the very beginning because i was always afraid of failing in mm-hmm. school and i remember going to write the final exams or to find out what my grade was thinking Verified. I know I know this. I knew that I knew the stuff and I knew that I should do well, but what if I failed anyway? Mm-hmm. Like the fear of failing went beyond reason. <laughs> it didn't even make sense. But you know, you see all those studies that they do with kids and they'll tell one group of kids how smart they are and yeah. how capable they are and how, and you just, it, it's, it's a whole different positive environment. And then you tell a bunch of ki- other kids, that they're that subpar. Because they're subpar because of where they come from and who their parents and, are. And that and was they, me. Right. And that's the te- the uh, case study, essentially, mm-hmm. is that it it's really what we're told and what we're fed a steady diet of. I, I only so know- as an adult, then, what, how, do, how have you, I mean, besides the brain state thing, what do you tell yourself now when, like, how do you deal with it? How do you deal with, uh, you know, those, those feelings? Because for me, the feelings are still there with a lot of things. Um, but I'm kind of at this point now because there's, there's just been so many times that I have, you know, been thinking that I was going to fail at something and I didn't. Well, you know, I, I often thought, okay, well, sh- maybe I should be taking another course. Maybe should I just just take a course? Maybe I should just get a degree for the heck of it. Well, I don't enjoy school. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that's just an excuse or if I should just, you know what, why don't I just take a course just to show myself that I can take a course? See, there's Crystal and Crystal was a kid that failed a lot of stuff. Right. Now and she started now. as an adult She's got a four, and she loves school. Yep. Yeah, 4.0 you know? average. Yeah. She loves school. And mm-hmm. this is a kid that, you know, 
just really she had 33 years of age passed her got her ged right so <laughs> and didn't think she was gonna pass it. right i told her today I but said, she loves school i i hate school i hate yeah, anything I, I don't like, like that. it either i love learning things but i want to do it on right. my own terms yet yet there's a part of me that doesn't fear anything mm-hmm. i remember when i got past that fear and where where the neurofeedback really had paid off for me is shortly after that, there was nothing that I would even say no to. Mm-hmm. And I, I was afraid to public speak. I was afraid to get on stage. All those things that had that crippling, I call it crippling fear, because I would literally stop dead in my tracks, didn't think I could take one more step, didn't know how to breathe, all of those things, like that kind of fear. And I overcame them all by making myself do them, mm-hmm. especially the the public speaking was huge for me uh i would literally think what does anybody even want to hear any word that i have to say Mm -hmm. and that's part of building your confidence is when you realize you have a story and you can impact someone's life they're they've showed up to listen to you Mm -hmm. so just tell your story yep your story is what's impacting them. But I never thought I was good enough or that my story ever mattered. So as I learned that, and then when I went through the neurofeedback, I realized that I had nothing to fear from anything. I, I got called from, um, there was these producers in Hollywood and they, and they got a hold of a few of us fitness girls and they said, we want to do a reality show. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> now before, <laughs> I would have thought, no way am I going to be in front of people. Am I going to go on TV? Am I going to this or that or anything? No, like, no, I I could never do that. And I never even thought twice about why wouldn't I? Mm -hmm. And so we all went to Hollywood. We all met with these, um, these um, networks Mm -hmm. and we were well on our way to becoming a, a a reality show Mm -hmm. and then the writer's strike hit so this was back when the writer's strike hit and then everything kind of came to a complete halt and the funny thing was um i was totally prepared for it in my mind i thought i could do anything i thought i I thought i could run for presidency if i knew anything about politics (laughs) right i was pretty cocky i'll do that i can do that um i can be the president how hard can it be but no uh and long story short five years later when that strike was over and everything and and five years or more later none of us were even competing anymore so the same producers came back and tried to rally us all up again and what i had found out from the first time we were called into the second was they were trying to create just drama Drama. because basically reality shows are based on drama so they were trying to create fights between me and some of the girls and whatever whatever and i thought to myself wait a second i built my whole career on inspiring women i was never going to let anybody including networks in hollywood to have me pick some ridiculous fight to create some drama on tv i didn't even call them back respect and yeah yeah, and and let me tell you these were the producers that did Catch Me If You Can, mm-hmm. an iRobot, to name a couple, mm-hmm. I literally didn't even answer their call. And I didn't <laughs> I feel the least that. bit bad about it. Yeah. I was like, no, I'm not letting them destroy my reputation on on some drama. I don't need to so, be in a reality show. So going show. back to the Friends now, and I think that I think that has an impact. I, I know on, on me, it definitely had an impact. It was my teachers, you know, people in authority, parents, teachers. I didn't really have parents at the time, but teachers. You know, my grandmother always thought I walked on water, right? And and it was her that uh, still she had I, a huge impact on your life. Yeah, I mean, she was the center of my universe, mm-hmm. right? And and uh, but she was that one person. And they, you know, we say we learn now as foster parents, Anna and I, we learn that you know it takes one person to change a life, to change your life. And uh, and so now I try to be that one person to even strangers. You know what I mean? If you can see something.
something positive in somebody, share it with them and build them up. I try to do that as a photographer at every shoot uh, rather than break people down. And, and if you ask God to bring people, just bring someone into my life today that I can encourage, I can uplift, yeah. he will always put someone in your space that you don't know how painful their life yeah. may be, but maybe a smile or a compliment or just a touch of your hand could change their life. And so we have to really get outside of ourselves to do that and just use the But it's such a powerful to, thing. And exactly. I just think of what it did for me. It was my football coach in high school that yeah. really turned me around. Your granny got, and your football coach. Yeah, my, my football coach got me away from the drugs and the drinking and all like that. And I just cleaned myself up and went the complete other direction, ended up being a cop, right? But um, uh, it, it, was, it was just that one guy you know, made such a massive, massive difference in my life, you know? And, and so, and I look at it and then also the, the police psychologist that did the IQ test, uh, that one was a big, that turned the corner for me too. That really, really changed. What did things. they tell you? Uh, what he just said is he was just very matter of fact. And then, you know, they do the assessment on you and then they, he, he was kind, he was a special guy. He's passed away since, but, um, he would sit with you as a person, not as a doctor. Mm. And so he'd sit with you and he'd say, okay, here's what I see and here's what I see. And he'd just tell you. So you knew what was coming. There's no, like you're not sitting there sweating for weeks to know what's going to happen. He would just tell you. And, uh, and he told me, you know, what he saw as issues and he saw me as, as what, and, and long story short, I got selected for SWAT with no question. So it was a lot of positives that is based in science, not just his supposition or his, it was evaluation through a, a standard testing method. And so I learned a lot about myself from him, but it was basically, here are your strengths. And at that point, I don't know that anybody had really done that in my life, well, and, you know, but it changed my whole life. Well, yeah, you know, what's everything. funny is, is you don't see yourself as the kid that you were. You no. just saw yourself as someone who just struggled just to get by and know you didn't feel loved by anybody, didn't feel like you really belonged, all of those things. Yeah. But now you look at kids your age at that mm -hmm. time, look at those kids you can read them in five minutes. Right. You know the ones that, you know, this one's going to be a hard worker. This one's going to really hustle. Mm -hmm. This one's going to be an overachiever. Yep. We see those things. So when you look back, that guy sat there with you. He right. already knew your character yeah. because he was just looking at this person, but you'd never been told. So you didn't believe it. And that's the thing in hindsight. Now that we know who we are, yeah. we like ourselves, we love ourselves, we do our best, um, we don't let people walk all over us, and we see the value in sharing that with somebody else. Mm -hmm. And how many times have you taken an underdog and said, hey, you know what? Every time I You're can. You're going to be fine. Every time right? I can. Yeah. And I do too. Yeah. I have a lot of young women sit in my chair and I go, you know what? Here's what you need to do. Yeah. And I get them to focus on the things that maybe nobody told them. Yeah. And that's making a difference in the world. So I like... You can only look and reflect on your own self for so long. Now you have to pay it forward, and right. now you have to give it back to others. And the thing is, uh, you know, I look at these kids that we have, and and the other kids that we come in contact with, and every chance, you know, you want to build them up. And uh, but but I find that, you know, and that's just a gradual everyday thing, and it's something that hopefully they take for granted. My kids certainly do. You know, every day they're all, I don't know, a million times they're told that, you know, I right. love them and they're, they're going to be good they're fast runner mm -hmm. or, and, and the slowest one is Emma. And I always tell her, Oh my gosh, look at you go, Emma. You're so fast, you know, and, yeah. and she believes she is. And, and so they take that for granted 
thank God. That's what yeah, I want. That's, that's I want them to take. Here. I want them to believe it so much. You they want just them take to feel granted. so entitled that they think yeah. they can go and achieve anything they want. Anything to achieve, they want to do, and that's what we missed out. And on. then with the adults <clears throat> that I'm able to do that with and have an impact in their lives, that's the dramatic change because you mm-hmm. get to be that one person that that football coach was for mm-hmm. me. Terry Hanks mm-hmm. was his name, and uh, you get to be that one person in their life that lets them see a possibility and and so many times i've had people come back remember i met you in 2015 and you said this to me well i went on i did this and right this. it's like wow really and i you get know? those from the girls that i do their makeup and they but sit in my so chair for 30 power minutes in that. It, there is but you know i actually forget i don't f- I don't necessarily forget the conversations, but I forget who all I had the conversation right. with until they come back and say, you literally changed my life with that one conversation. Yeah. And it literally it chokes me up every time yeah. because if someone took the time to do that for me, yeah. I would have been a, I would have been ahead a lot quicker than realizing that late in my forties and fifties to decide. And, and here's what I've, I, I wanted to deal with that, I but I learned this, sorry to cut you off, but I learned this is, uh, you know, at, at, as a Christian, you know, we think that, or the assumption is, I think that as Christians, you know, we somehow have better lives. And the reality is, is no, what you do is you choose Christ as your personal savior. That's number one. The number two is your job is to serve. And so sometimes you get the short end of the stick a lot more often than not, yeah. because it gives you an experience you know, there's things that people have gone through, like with crystals, a prime example. You know, I, I understand where she's at because I was there at one point. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I understand what it's like to, to be alone. And I understand as a kid and, you know, and, and I understand all these things. And so it's so much easier with our fostering, with our kids. It's so easy to understand them because I've been there. You see what I mean? And so you can help so many more people. And I'm at that point in my life now and talking about that, okay, what am I going to do? I really want my focus to shift and be more about helping those people, yeah. you know, telling the stories. I think it is that's I'm initially, doing. that's in, in, that's what all of our experiences were for. That's yeah. what brings us here today. That's why we're here. That's why we had our experiences right. so that we could impart any knowledge and wisdom and overcoming obstacles onto somebody else. And really do something impactful. Yes. You know, and, and 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 so that's, you know, talking about those nights that I'm sitting down there, you know, making sure nobody runs away with the building I'm guarding. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it, I it, this is this is where it's going. I, I read a really, really good book. Um, I'm going to get the name of it, but I read this book the other night and I read it from Ann 10 because it was such a good book. Uh, but really it was about this guy that was raised as a Christian kid, went completely the other direction, which, you know, lots of kids do. It's a book, it's called Thirst by a guy named Scott Harrison, but Thirst. And what this guy does now, now this guy was a club promoter in New York, smoked four packs of cigarettes a day, used every drug imaginable, was drunk every day, like just totally like that and changed his life. And it was actually a guy was out to kill him. So he was running essentially from this guy, went and did a a year with Mercy Ships, working as a photographer, uh, but photographing these people that they were working with in Africa and and all the stuff they were doing, missions work essentially. It wasn't really missions work, but it was like missions work. And then he came back, well, this this guy's got a company now. And what they do is they bring clean drinking water to people all around the world. And they've, you know, 
it's now it's a multi-million dollar nonprofit. So he ran his way right into a life-changing experience and then right. ended up helping change the world, right. which is just an amazing story. But but he's you know, it was just his his one eighty had such a huge impact on on the people that knew him. Right. You know, right. and that's initially where that was where all his support came right. from. And and so my point is is wherever you're at in life, mm-hmm. you know, you can turn it around and do something else. And and there's no greater, more gratifying thing that will help you overcome the pains of the past than helping somebody else get through theirs, I think. Would you agree? That is a perfect ending right there. And and that's what this reflection in this uh, coronavirus yeah. lockdown was for. Yeah, I agree. And at this time, I, you know, I've been doing it every night because I got 12 hours to sit there, right? And I contact at least a couple people every night and just make sure you're doing okay. Just let them know that we're there, you know? And, pay it uh, forward. Pay it forward. I, I hope this helps somebody. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Elaine, always. I love doing podcasts with you. There's always lots to talk about. We'll be Pleasure. back in a couple of days with another episode of Good Light Unscripted, the podcast.